Hey, listen to Commander Cookout Podcast, episode 142. I'm Brando. I'm here with Ryan, and we're going to ask the questions. Remember when new sets of magic were good? Because CCO remembers. Now, hit our theme song! Hey, Ryan. We're back for yet another whirlwind adventure. How you doing? Good. What's going down? A whole ton is going down. We're going to talk about the new set, Throne of Eldraine, your wallet. I made the joke you this week. You made the joke. I got you. And a whole bunch of other stuff surrounding it, as there is a lot to talk about if you watched our free CCO pre-show. The free show. The free I made the joke too. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into any of that, we have to thank our official sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com. They are Canada's biggest magic store. Very much so. Got my order from them yesterday. I'm going to put in another order with them after we record our videos today and I see what I don't pull out of my box. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Video recording on the YouTube train. We are back on it. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm I'm super pumped too. I'm a little bit intimidated by the amount of video we have to do because we took a few weeks off. And oh baby. It's okay. We can we can crush it. We can we can get there. We can do this. We're efficient guys. We're good at this. Very much so. But, uh, Speak, speaking of face-to-face games, we have at some point in today's show or tomorrow's uh-oh a giveaway to do for face-to-face games $25 gift certificate credit, credit voucher? voucher I don't we should get them to give us like an official nope. thing on it I'm you think? flying by the seat of my pants how would a poll on our Facebook page well anyways we have a credit voucher to give away from face-to-face games in the next two episodes and you'll see why I'm saying the next two episodes in a second We've got a Feline Ferocity Commander 17 deck to give away. Underrated. Based on our, well, I'll say one of our more favorite stories of remember when it was good or remember when you got blown out by something. <laughs> we had lots of submissions for that. Thank you very much, CCO Nation, for interacting on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, anywhere that you like, shared, retweeted, or gave us your own funny story. We do like reading those. And like I joked a few weeks ago, we do love stealing the ideas and making whole episodes out of them. So if you like to hear us talk about your stuff, send it in. And maybe if it's jank enough, we'll do something with it. We can't talk about your stuff if you don't send us your stuff. That's real life. That's how it works. I'm only mildly psychic. I'm not psychic at all. Quick story. Total aside about me being psychic. When I first got my job here at the radio station, all I really did was sit in the control room during the weekends and kind of... You know, I followed along and I pushed the buttons and I made. I was learning how to do technical production on the radio. And it was kind of dull at times. So sometimes I would take a penny and I would hold it in my hand and I would try and make the penny hot with my mind. That isn't a real story. That, that is that a, cannot be a real story. That is a real thing that happened. I was so bored because none of the streaming services worked in here and the TV didn't work. So it's like, what do I do? What do I do for eight hours? And I tried to teach myself to become pyrokinetic. I don't think that that's real. It didn't work. It's a 100% think... true story. Back on track. <laughs> if we are wanting people to send us anything, give us a quick rundown of where they can send it. You can find us at CCO Podcast and CCO Brando on Twitter and tappedout.net. If you want to send us something via email, it is commandercookout at gmail.com. We can all, you can also find the show that you're listening to right now anywhere better podcasts are found. If you are in the position to help the channel grow financially, you can check us out at patreon.com slash podcast. And if you missed any of that, you can check out our official official home, the ever-growing commandercookout.com. Uh,
Ooh, yeah. What does that mean, ever growing? Well, we might have a couple of things that we're working on this afternoon to spruce the site up a little bit. We've also got some cool merch that has been asked for by some of our supporters and fans and stuff out in the nation, and we've finally been able to bring that to you. We're going to talk about that a little more in just a minute, and we have a little a little store link. So if you want to pick up like stickers or in the future shirts or a couple other things that we are, are working on, and again, we're going to talk about in the near future, you can check that out on commandercookout.com. And, uh, slash store. Slash store. <laughs> got there. And yeah, there's some cool stuff there. We got the stickers. Thank you very much for anybody who has supported us in the uh, the realm of stickerhood. And lots of people at EDH&M last night were pumped about them too. Yeah, lots they, of people they, asking. They asked, but we don't have them yet. We talked about it on the pre-show. I can't get them at my P.O. box. You can't get them at your house because you're not me. And I can't... Get them at your house because it's not in the city. It's... And I can't just go and get them at the depot because the one, like the, the, the shipping company said, oh yeah, they're at the depot. Just go and pick them up. So I called the depot and they're like, oh no, it's out on the truck. We can't deliver it to you. And it's like... Well, what the hell can you do? When can I get my package and where is it? CCO Nation is waiting. Yes, they actually are. There's <laughs> lots of people who are pumped for these things. I'm yeah. very excited. So, of course, what did you say? CommanderCookout.com slash, slash store. Yep. That's where you can find stickers. This week, we have a little bit more honed in on the price of ding, 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 new merch. Merch. New CCO t-shirts. Everybody's been asking, when are you doing hats? When are you doing t-shirts? Well, hats we're working on. We're finding a nice price so we don't have to f- charge everybody like $60 per hat. Yeah, that would be, that's bad news. Travesty. Yep. But we do have t-shirts. We have an excellent rate. And of course, we aren't trying to get rich. We're trying to get people what they want and support CCO Podcast. So in the very loose ballpark, this is what it's going to look like. For our top tier patrons, 15 bucks for a shirt plus complimentary CCO sticker. Yay. Very much. So... <laughs> All other patrons, $20 per shirt, complimentary CCO sticker. Boom. Non-patrons, 25 bucks a shirt, and stickers are available at commandercookout.com slash store. So that's the next thing. They're going to have the logo. No super sweet FU on the sleeve because we got in trouble for that a couple times. Yeah, I was telling the guys again at EDH&M last night about how like we had a thing going with the judges where we'd go in and they'd like be checking our shirts and stuff. And like some of our other guys who had CCO shirts are checking all their sleeves to make sure that all the FUs were covered. Yeah, and we got FUs on our sleeves, right? Because that's one of the main taglines for the show. And the judges were like, well, maybe it's somebody's initials. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. No, it's not. And there's like judges who listen to the show. They're like, eh, maybe you should like look it up, go to their website. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt, but let's just do our homework. So they go <laughs> and they find the middle finger guy on the website and they're like, oh yeah, it is. It is F you. Yeah, that's exactly what that means. <laughs> maybe we should get them to cover it up. <laughs> so no F you's on the sleeves. This is how the shirts are going to work. I'm going to have a picture of the logo, maybe myself in a super sweet, sexy t-shirt and nothing but. Gross. And you can you can choose to donate to Commander Cookout Podcast. And when you do, in the notes, you leave us a comment, like when you check out, what color and what size. That's how we want to run it. The price includes the shirts being shipped. And that's why there still is a charge for our top tier patrons because Canada Post is terribly expensive. Yeah, man. So... The only caveat is we can't order or ship until we hit 12 t-shirts. And then there's just a little bit of a rider text there. I told you it was going to be super clean, but it's not that clean. If you pick a, for example, black shirt and it needs white printing 
or if you pick a white shirt and it needs black printing. We need to hit 12 shirts with the same color printing. Boom. So the best thing for CCO Nation to do is just buy a white one and a black one. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can get our printing presses going on the shirts. Yay. So that's what we wanted to say about the merch this week. We've got some upcoming announcements in the coming weeks for some other stuff we're working on. But aside from that... Stay tuned for that is what the word is. Yeah. We have got a couple new patron shout-outs. And then we're going to get right into... What we're actually what doing. What we're doing, yeah. 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 I suppose we could do it. Maybe. New it's patron shout-out? Sure. Patron shout-out. New patron, thank you very much. Welcome aboard to Dylan Long. There's got to be a long joke in there. Dildo Long? He's probably heard that before, but we're going with it. Sometimes simple is best. Do not Google it. Anybody in CCO Nation who has a name that should not be Googled, those are the best kind. Dylan Schlong. Oh, I like that better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Either or is fine, Dylan. Thank you. We don't know why you would have pledged to get a nickname, but thank you very much. We appreciate it. Now, the second one, I think that this guy doesn't want us to know his name. So I'm just going to use his patron name. And if you want to add any subtext or additional flavor text to his name, please be my guest. <clears throat> Ink Drop the Candra Conduit of Ooze Caretaker of the Breeding Pool. That's trying too hard. You know what we're going to call him? What are we going to call him? Tim. Tim. Welcome aboard, Tim. Welcome aboard, bud. <laughs> <laughs> All right. CCO nicknames at patreon.com slash CCO podcast. Thank you very much, <laughs> everybody out in CCO Nation. What are we doing today? We are going to talk about the legendary creatures and the rest of the cards from Throne of Eldraine. What? It's a set review. Oh. Yeah. Oh, there we go. We were we were hinting that we might, I mean, we, whatever. We thought about whatever. it. Yeah, I like, suppose. How does it fit into the arc of remember when it was good? It, it does. It does. It does. Remember when sets that were like good were good? Yeah, like remember before this summer and there was 7,000 sets released, how everybody was really, really, really pumped for everything? Well, and now and now fatigue is set in and everybody's kind of like, God damn it, Wizards, just stop. Well, it turns just out stop. that everybody's still pumped for Throne of Eldraine because Super Packs! <laughs> Man, I'm so pumped for my super packs. I think that might just be you. We're going to open these ones. We're both going to be super disappointed, and then we're going to just be like, oh, fuck. No. Why do they have these? No. So we pre-ordered our boxes. This is part of the review now. We're in pre-review uh, land. Okay. You pre-order a box at our store, like the first 70 boxes got the buy a box promo. Kenrith, the, what's his name? Let's do him right now. Kenrith the Returned King is a 5-5 for white and 4, human noble, and he has a plethora of abilities, which I will run down quickly here. Red, all creatures gain trample and haste until end of turn. Green, 1, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on target creature. White, 2, target player gains 5 life. Blue, 3, target player draws a card, or black, 4, put target creature card from a graveyard into play under its owner's control. So Staff of Domination, 5 color mander. Yep is the BioBox promo, first 70 boxes at our LGS got one, including your boys, Brandon and Ryan. So we both have this guy, and we were discussing with a few other guys at EDH&M last night that this is both a very good card and a commander that I think promotes multiple build paths. Yes, there's several, several different things you can do with this guy, as long as your deck has white in it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we were talking about... Group hug, politics, two, three, four, five color builds where it's just like you you latch onto one, two, three, or four of his abilities and just run with it. 
Yeah. Five color CEDH where you don't have to like jam your deck full of the color pair cards with that Niv Mizzet that draws you cards. Right. Or General Tazri and you can cut the two or three allies that like you'd use to combo. He's a fucking five color combo general. We can probably just say that. I don't think we really have to go over what combos he has to. Yeah. He's what a five he... color combo general. He wins you the game if you have infinite mana. Just like every other combo general in the world. Yeah, more or less. The yeah. point I was trying to make is you don't have to do that. No. And if you want more four-color commanders, this could be one. Absolutely. Because, could. like, yeah, he's white, but you know what? The white ability in his text box is the worst one. So By just, far. just like, play one City of Brass in your in your deck. <laughs> <laughs> or play, like, just fetch lands and one planes so you can cast him and then just do all of the other colored things. Yeah. So that would be a kind of a unique thing. I think that's what we're going to maybe focus on is is what everybody else isn't talking about. Yeah. Right? I like four-color Kenrith. No white. I like Boros with a splash of blue, so sometimes you can draw a card. Oh, no, no, no. No, no. I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm, I'm sticking with my four-color no white Kenrith. No mana that produces white. No planes. Remember when I had my Aloro deck and there's no planes in it? You can do it with literally any five-color walker or creature. Literally anyone. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just trying to get you excited because I know that, like, y- both of us, but you especially, is, have heard the message, Watsy. Like, yes, we know you like five color commanders, but we're there's, there's so many of them now, and they're you're, you're hiding them behind really easy to cast mana costs. Yeah, we get them in every set. Like, there's always one, and they're always really good. Yeah, like they're pushing them pretty hard, and I'm, I'm getting tired of it. This I'm one's not going to rage about it because this is a cool card. I like this card, and I don't want anybody to think that I don't like it. But I see what Watsi's doing, and I don't like that. Yeah. I think that's fair. Just a recap. Cool picture, cool name, cool set of abilities, how they tick up. Lots of infinite combo potential, though. Should we move on? Yes. We were talking about boxes. We get him. The first 40 packs, or the first 40 pre-sales, also get Throne of Eldraine collector packs. Super packs. Super packs, them. yeah. And $40 value, we were talking on the pre-show a little bit. Where's the line? Okay, so we had brought up that some European countries and Canadian gambling laws are changing a little bit to not allow for digital loot crates in video games. Good. Because you can control how often they give you a high dollar thing. It's not random. And that is gambling. That's how gambling, like slot machines at casinos are programmed. Not only is it gambling, if you look at it hard enough, it's kind of rigged. Because they control how often something good is in your box. That's literally how slot machines work. I know. And if you're a gaming company and not a casino, that's illegal. Yeah. Right? So where does where do you cross that over from a digital medium, like on MTG Arena or Fortnite or what have you? Can you buy loot boxes on Fortnite? I don't play. I've never played Fortnite. The internet is screaming at us. That's fine. Yeah. At well, us, what scrubs. We play Magic, not Fortnite. Yeah, what else is new? How do you cross that over onto a physical product and where is the threshold? Okay, so your box toppers from Ultimate Masters could have had a $10 card in it in Kitchen Finks, could have had a $300 card in Liliana the Veil. Right. Super packs are $40. You could get a $2 foil rare, a $3 foil mythic, and a 50 cent non-foil rare for your $40 pack and it's worth $5. That sounds like every pack I've ever opened. Yeah, or... Your $40 super pack could contain bomb foil mythic, bomb foil rare, and then your rare slot could have a foil rare that's worth whatever. And your your $40 super pack could be worth like $500. Could be. 
that again it sounds like every other pack I've ever opened. Well, like if now they're taking now they're step taking outside of yourself of though. Step outside of yourself and now look at the bigger picture. Now they're taking the old. Oh, now they're forty dollars. Now it's gambling. When they were twenty five dollars, we're fine with that. When it's ten dollars, we're fine with that. When you open a twenty five dollar pack and get nothing, they don't care. But now they're noticing it's forty, and that's that's part of the the question. Where's the threshold? Is the threshold in how much you could win, or is the threshold how much you're spending? The threshold should have been what you're spending three years ago, <laughs> and they didn't notice it then. So if they're noticing it now, it's too late. The cat's out of the bag. The consumers will vote with their wallets, and that's how I think they should handle it. They haven't stepped in yet, and they shouldn't now. Okay. Yeah, like this that's, is the, that's a good stance. That's, that I is think, a that is a stance, right? I, I like is, that. I think this is the one and only time I'm going to say maybe if this, maybe this product isn't for me, and that's and I'm going to say it. I'm gonna the say super pack, it. the super packs. Maybe they're not for me. I'm happy I have this one, but I can virtually guarantee I will not spend forty dollars on another one because the odds of me getting my money out of it, it's whatever. I don't know. I'm I'm fine with them leaving it as it is, and us just saying no. This is too much. I don't, I'm not doing this. That's fine. Yeah. You know what's you know what's interesting, and we've talked about this a little bit before. The foil, the all foil shards of Alara packs. You love those. I love those. And they were fifteen dollar packs. Yep. And th- the same thing existed. Like cards weren't as expensive as they are now. When Truth. you open up like a a fifty dollar standard single in foil, and it's worth like a hundred dollars. Like that didn't exist in Shards of Alara 2010, 8, 9, 10 days. There were some good ass cards you opened in there. But you're right. So you like that product, but you don't like this one. Is it is it the entry level, like the $40 Super Pack versus the $15 Shards Super Pack? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think it is, it's just the barrier of, it's the cost of entry. Like I said, I bought lots of those $15 foil packs, and did I get a whole bunch of cards that I wanted out of it? Maybe not, but I don't know, maybe back then in those sets, there was also a lot more stuff at Common and Uncommon that got played. Like, you could get in the same pack, a Putrid Leech of Lightning. You get basically all of Jund in one pack. Yeah, well, in foil. you, you also, you weren't playing Commander at the time. Yeah, and, and Commander now wasn't the thing. And Commander, it would have been even better because now that one Elspeth I opened and that Maelstrom Angel that I opened, like all those things that are, if you look back, they're worth a bunch of money in foil, right? And they were releasing them in these That's foil right. packs. But and now it's like a bunch sa- of... The same is true for the super packs now. You can get yeah. cards that are good in standard and modern and commander because sets are being marketed at commander. I don't want to get too much into it because this this obviously is an entire episode that we could do on the merits of premium products and the history of premium products, all that stuff. There is a counter argument or a counterpoint to everything that either one of us could say. Yep. Let us know in the YouTube comments, on Twitter, on Facebook, maybe we'll do a post on Facebook because there's a lot of discussion that can be had with, you say, oh, well, the stuff you're getting in them was better. Well, I would disagree. I think the stuff in the Throne Super Packs is going to be better for modern, standard, commander, whatever format you play. There's even cards in Throne that might see playing vintage, eh. right? And that doesn't matter to you, yeah. but... Probably doesn't matter to the vintage person either because they'll just... Yeah, the vintage person isn't buying a super pack, no, right? No, they're buying the one single that they want because they only need one of them and it's probably going to cost three bucks because... That sounds like a commander player. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. th- that raises the, the raises the question, why are we talking about this? Because obviously commander players are excited because they get all foil packs. Eh, 
there's some there's some value in that and that's why people are going to go out and buy one and that's why the booster boxes only have 12 or 18 packs in them instead of 36 because it would be too much money right there's so much there's so much that can be said about this product it's so weird i'll bet you we open both of our packs on youtube check us out later week later in the week for that episode of of the commander cookout youtube page and i'll bet you our combined packs aren't worth 40 bucks they might not be i'll bet you they won't be and I hope that people will look at that and say, hmm, I will think harder before I go out and drop a whole bunch of money on a box of those. Could be a thing. We're going we're gonna to suffer for your enjoyment. Should we talk about some cards? Let's do some cards. Yeah, let's get into some cards. CCO Nation, let us know. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube comments. Let us know what you think about the Super Packs and the Throne of Eldraine product in general, including the supplementary ancillary product brawl decks that we're going to cover commandy from right now okay the first card in our review here is alila alila artful provocateur she's a two three flying death touching life linking fairy warlock for esper one other creatures you control with flying get plus one plus zero and whenever you cast an artifact or enchantment spell create a one one blue fairy creature token with flying wow does it all on the card does it all on the card it's hard for me not to just it's it's hard for me to not just talk to what they're specifically doing. They're combining three colors, they're giving copy and paste abilities to those cards and then they're tacking on maybe a, a draw card or a card draw advantage ability to make brawl enticing to people. Yes. And I think that that's fine cuz that's yeah. a format that is easier for people to get into. We were talking off air. The barrier to entry to vintage is insane is insane i i commented on vintage a couple minutes ago yep. you say the barrier to entry is insane but after you get over the hump you're there's, there yeah there's nothing to it. once you're over that barrier it's like okay sweet i'll buy my two dollar hill giant and my you know what i mean like there's nothing there's no real investment after the barrier to entry and i think that brawl is that if you it, want to get into commander yeah and like commander you could argue has no barrier to entry if you want to play casual but like nobody does that no, you can't say nobody on a podcast, Ryan. Less people, less and less people are playing very casually, and decks are getting tuned and expensive. And so many people play Commander; it's driving the price up. Brawl is that smaller barrier to entry that you could just add forty cards, and you're good to yeah. make a Commander deck, right? So, do we like this card? You get a fairy when you cast an artifact or enchantment. She's in the right colors. She's fine. She's fine. I don't. I don't know. You could if you're going just kind of casual route you could play her with a bunch of those the white anthems because every time you play an anthem you get a dude that's then bigger and she makes her dude bigger and like you could build an easy deck like that combine or... that with cathar's crusade and bitter blossom not that you have to play fairy tribal i don't think that's what you do but you could play uh, i'm sure there's enchantments that bring cart like um dudes into play with them yeah you could put this lady in charge of our deck from last week our squad hawk deck. Oh yeah, and you could play all those squad hawks, and every time you, I don't know, like it's, it's a thing. That's you, good. Okay. Lot, lots of stuff that. you could do with her. She's fine. She's not blowing my doors off, but she's a fine card. Okay. Moving on, we have Ayara first of Lick Twain. <laughs> Lick Twain. Lick Twain. Lock Twain. I think it's Lock Twain. Whatever. But I like to not Google all of the things that you said. <laughs> <laughs> she's also a 2-3. She's an elf noble for black, black, black. Whenever she or another black creature comes into play under your control, each opponent loses a life, you gain a life, and she has tap, sack, another black dude, draw a card. So she aristocrat 
she she blood artists you on ETB. Yes. Instead of die. Yes. So we we definitely needed this. You'll see where I'm going with this when we hit a couple more commanders from now. It's another aristocrats commander. I don't like. Is there much else you say? Like that's what you play her in. Yeah. You know what I. You know what I think is for aristocrats and like the sanguine bond, exquisite blood combo dot deck and blood artist and falcon wrath noble dot deck. Right. This is how I. This is what they're doing. You've got A plus B equals C. That's a commander. That's a that's a build path. You've yep. got B plus C equals D. You've got C plus D equals E. You've got A, not B, C. A, B, and C. You've got all of these different kind of just very subtle variations on how to build the deck. I think it's important to have those little subtle variations, but you know what? They're getting confusing as to what they all do, which ones trigger for each creature, which one triggers for... Just my creatures, everybody's creatures. This one deals to target. This is all. This is when they come into play, not when they die. This, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's a it, yo. Although I'm going to say, I bet you this looks sweet in foil. Very much so. We could get it in our super packs. And there is such a critical mass of die and ETB lose a life for everybody decks now. You could definitely build a deck that's just going to grind out value and win just by dinking everybody like 10 times a turn. Or you could make a super slick combo deck with these kinds of commanders. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have, I don't know, the poster child for buying the Brawl decks, I guess, in Chu Lane, Teller of Tales, who is a 2-4 human druid for... What is that? Bant. Bant? That is Bant. Bant 2. He's got Vigilance. Whenever you cast a creature spell, draw a card, you may put a land from your hand into play. Jesus. And then 3 and tap, return a creature you control to your hand. Or its owner's hand, I guess, if you've... So Tatiova wasn't good enough. Let's add white to give access to another color. Yep. Give it vigilance because copy and paste. Yep. Because brawl, let's just cash it in. Three Mail tap. In. Yeah. <laughs> Mail it in. Three tap return target creature you control to its owner's hand. So if you have like a coiling oracle or some ETB draw card type dude, right? Yep. I, I'm I'm fi I'm finding space to not be negative. This is what I'm gonna say. When all these guys come out and everybody sees, oh, this is so powerful, you can do this broken thing and this broken thing and this broken thing, it paints them under a very broken color. Going on with Ryan's saying, here's a thing that you could do when those cards are printed, like this one. You could just not do that. Of course, everybody listens to content creators and everybody's mind zeroes in on the most broken thing to do with a commander. And that means it's broken. Oh, it's so powerful. But over time, because not everybody plays broken decks every game at every edh &M or like tuesday night magic those decks just get hated out or don't get played very often over time chulane is going to settle down and kind of blend into the rest of the format and people are going to say oh yeah no it's just chulane etbs it's not the broken brago deck it's it's not the turn one necropotence zur deck it's not the bounce my thing, infinitely draw my whole library, Chulane deck. It's just Chulane ETB shenanigans. Over time, it'll settle and it'll be fine. And that's going to be true of our next commander as well. But we're going to go to a legendary artifact first. You want to go there? Sure. Everybody's, lots of people are talking about this one. It's uh, Amber Cleave. It is a legendary artifact equipment for Red Red 4. It has Flash. Costs one less to cast for each attacking creature you control, and when it comes into play, you attach it to one of your dudes, and the equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and have do has double strike and trample. 
Is that what is that Excalibur? Is that is that that? I don't think so. I'm not sure what that's supposed to be. It might be Excalibur, but it's a pretty dark looking Excalibur. Yeah, it's gonna kill somebody. That's for sure. Yeah, that's a hell of a that's a hell of a drug. That kind. that's yeah. Like okay, I'll just guess. I'll just take ten. No. Nah. Just kidding. <laughs> Die. Like. So it costs one less for each attacking creature, and everybody's like, oh, it wants you to go tall, but it wants you to go wide. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I've got one attacking creature. Let's say it's... Who gives a shit? Let's pretend it's my commander, even. I'm going to pay five and just kill you. Yeah. That's going to work. Yes, it is. Five to kill you is a good rate. That's, a, that's an excellent rate. I'm going to win the game for five mana, or I'm going to take out my most pressing opponent for five mana. Yeah, that's, that's right. worth it every that's time. That's right. It's like no blocks. Okay, okay. I'll send one at you. Take eight. I'm going to send three over at F.U. Smitty. It's yep. fine. I'm going to pay three. Kill you. Smitty's going to take whatever. Next turn, I'll equip it to whoever Smitty can't block, and I'll kill him too. This is going straight into my Tan of the Butt Sower deck. There you go. Yeah, because it Ooh, gets, me hey. some, gets me some saps. Do you, do you have any guaranteed includes? When we hit a guaranteed include, we're, we're going to say where it goes. Embercleave in Tana. That, there that you is go. one. That is one of them. Aria might go in. Oh, it's not a guaranteed. Never mind. <laughs> F that. F her. And her <laughs> pointy hat. And her strange, seductive cutout dress. Yes. All right, next up, we have the Lady of the Lake. In Emery, Lurker of the Lock. Cool picture? It is a really cool picture. Um, I've heard talk that this is, could be a modern card. And a CEDH card? Uh, one, two for blue. I'm not even, I'm going to read it as blue because that's what it is. Costs one less to cast for each artifact you control. That's why it doesn't cost three, it costs one. When Emery, Lurker of the Lock enters the battlefield, put the top four cards of your library into your bin. You can tap her, take an artifact from your graveyard, and cast it this turn. You'll have to pay for it but you can cast artifacts from your graveyard. I think it's lazy, but I also think it's strong, and it's got a cool picture on it, so I'm not going to hate on it. So if you could make infinite mana... In blue? Impossible. Or if you could make infinite artifact tokens? In blue? Impossible. Either way... The you, things you're saying don't make sense. You get around her commander tax, <laughs> and you could just sack her and infocast her to mill your whole deck. You know what? I think that she might helm a merfolk, very tricksy deck in the future. Right now, everybody's hyper-focused on doing broken things with her. Like Chulane, she is going to simmer out. She, unlike Chulane, most likely will helm a deck in the top 10% of like the, the CEDH metagame. Yes, she She's will... going to be good. She's going to be better than 600 other legendary creatures in existence because she's that good. Yes, she's an, she's an exceptionally good card. And I'm sure she's going to make impacts in other formats as well, but we don't talk about those other formats here for the most part. We're an EDH podcast. Let's talk about the EDH-ness of the next dude. Gadwick the Wizened. Is it Wizened or Wizened? Is it, Wizened because he's a wizard? No, it's Wizened because he's a wizard. It's too many. Otherwise, it's Gadwick the Wizened Wizard. I don't like saying stuff like that. <laughs> I just don't like saying that kind of stuff. Is this is this supposed to be Merlin? I think so. Okay, sure. So... Merlin the Wizened is a 3-3 human wizard for blue, blue, blue X. When he comes into play, you draw X cards. Whenever you cast a blue spell, tap target non-land permanent and opponent controls. Because, of course, you needed that other ability, too. Again, we're tacking stuff on. We're tacking yeah. it. Yeah, He's yeah. already blue sun zenith on legs, but you know what? He needs something else. That's right. Because <laughs> when you can make infinite mana. <laughs> yeah, it, it, so same same talk about broken stuff applies to this guy, as we said about Kung Fu Creature Guy and Sword in the Lake Lady. But I think this guy's pretty cool. For This like, guy's cool. You, they had to add an extra rule to the comprehensive rule book for magic for this? 
Do tell. Enters the battlefield, draw X cards. X is referring, in its text box, is referring, referring to its casting cost. X anywhere except the stack is zero. So he'd enter the battlefield and draw you zero cards. Ooh. So they added a, a sub rule. I have all of the rule changes up on my computer. It's technical y- nonsense. Yeah, exactly. This it's, card works is what we're trying to say. This card works, people, they, they because all, the yeah. X is referring to what the how much was paid into it. That's one of the, the rule changes that has been updated for Throne, so this guy works. They've changed the rule to be intuitive. Because I'll bet you everybody that read this card, who is like a regular Magic player, knew what it said. Yeah, they, they yeah. knew what it was trying to do, and then some rules lawyer was like, but, but, but. Yeah, and then, right? like, and then they Jesus. change it to make it work how we just thought it worked when we casual mouth breathing scrub EDH players read it. We were like, yeah. "Oh yeah, which yeah, works." Uh. Exactly. All right. Next up, we have Grum Gully the Generous. Do you like this art? What is going on? Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's like a wizard with a big bushy red beard holding a bunch of glowing mushrooms. He's a goblin. He is a goblin, and he's a Grohl goblin, which hey, I've been begging for. But um, hey, bro, eat these mushrooms. Hey, man, <laughs> rub these in your armpit. Man, if they if you put them in your butt crack, it'll make them smell better. We don't know that. Now nah, we don't know that last part, but <laughs> those first two parts. He's a three-three for Grohl one. Each other non-human creature you control enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it. Again, you can do all sorts of broken ass shit with this guy. Um, it, but it's going to mellow, but and I that think will he's... mellow immediately because he's not as obviously broken. And the infinite build path to this guy's effing boring. Yeah, just uh, persist, right? Yeah. But but you have to use mono green or mono red. Is there any good persist stuff in hybrid gruel colors? Like there is kitchen finks. You would have to sneak him into a jund colored thing, so you can use murderous red cap. Yeah, and then that's terrible. You're not even using him as the commander. You're not even using him as a general. You just, just put him in your 99. gun, your gun Joblin's deck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You could play him. Shatter uh, Gang Brothers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you were, if you really worked at it, and I haven't thought hard enough about this, you could definitely do that with a couple of cards. Oh, in this, Magic. this, you could do I got it. this. I got this. You put him in your grindy, controly Shatter Gang Brothers, and then you just go. Um, Grumgully and like Woodfall Primus d- destroy everything that everybody owns for the win. Yeah, just to make everybody scoop. You put it in like a like a Shatter Gang stacks kind of shell. There it is. Welcome to CCO Nation. <laughs> Could you imagine having that smiling, stupid-looking face in a stacks deck? It's like here's my win con. <laughs> he kind of looks like me though, so I like him. You should cosplay as Grumgully, <laughs> dude. I, prob- I probably could do it. All right, next up we have another. This is another Brawlmander, right? Yes. And he is Korvald Faycursed King. He's Jun 2 for a 4-4 Flying Dragon Noble. Nobles. Whenever he enters the battlefield or attacks, sack another permanent. Whenever you sack a permanent, put a plus one, plus one counter on him and draw a card. He's... He's so, another one where they're just like, oh, let's just tack on draw a card because that's good in Brawl because the format is like not as well-rounded as Commander. Yeah. Is he... Is he Masaryk? Just like... What is Masaryk? Masaryk is whenever you sack an opponent, oh, not everything a, gets ma- a counter. Except- Masaryk is not a fairy tale. Masaryk is a magic card. <laughs> yes. Yes. He's just a he's just a dragon. Dragons are in fairy tales, Ryan. And he's the dragon. He's the opposite of Masaryk. Masaryk is whenever a player sacrifices something, your whole team gets buffed. Yeah, he's he, just he's he like is... mini Masaryk. Mini Rek. Uh, yeah. Except you draw a card instead of making your whole team bigger. If if Masaryk is the, the go-wide sacrifice deck... This guy gives you access to red and is the go tall sacrifice deck. Works good with Grim Cleave or whatever we talked about earlier. Ember Cleave. Ember Cleave, there we go. Yeah, I don't even think you need Ember Cleave though. You just build a deck that sacrifices stuff. Yeah. Just put him in a goblin deck. 
Ooh. You could be like Jun Goblins and this guy's your commandy. Ooh. You don't even need Shatter Gang. Ooh. That's not a terrible idea. Do you like I, that? I do like that. I like that a lot, a five, actually. And he's only five mana. He's not six. And I know that doesn't sound like a big difference, but I would so infinitely rather play a five mana commander than a six. And if you want to play a more casual Jund colored dragon commander, you could play this guy instead of Prosh, and then people won't hate you. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I actually like this guy. Cool art, cool... I, I, I like Jund dragons. I feel like Jund is just like the... Jund is the dragon color. I get it. Yeah. But to me, that really is resounding because we've got dragons in every color and they just don't feel, some of them feel more like birds than dragons. Yeah, we've even got feathers. Yeah. Dragons ain't got feathers. Hashtag dragons don't have feathers. Yes. Yeah, dinosaurs can have feathers. Dragons don't. Sure. Yeah. We'll go with it. I like that guy. All right, we have next in the uh, the royal family of Eldraine, right? Yes. Linden, not F.U. Joel's dad, Linden, but Linden. Juno award-winning Linden? Juno award-winning Linden. Joel's dad has two Juno Awards. Somewhere. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. They're just probably hiding. Whatever, yeah. He probably doesn't even have them. (laughs) Linden the Steadfast Queen is a 3-3 for white, white, white. Human noble with vigilance. Whenever a white creature you control the tax, you gain a life. She's fine. She is fine. I got a bone to pick with Linden. Okay. Show us your Junos, you dink. That wasn't it. That's not the... Oh, that was mine. Oh, okay. So... (laughs) Obviously, these three color, same color commandies are for standard as we are moving towards Theros and the, the, their forecasting devotion, all this jazz. Fine. You gave us another white commander that doesn't even have red and it's yeah. anywhere that has to have something to do with attacking. And that just, just doesn't do it in Commander. It just doesn't do it. This card is never going to see play in Commander. It's not going to helm our life gain decks. That's going to be a black-white one. It's never going to be an Aristocrat Commander like Arya or Sir Conrad that we're going to talk about later. Like You're giving us all these black, really good Aristocrat-style things, and you have the opportunity to do one in white or do something with a like a dinky little creature to draw a card. Like... When Linden enters the battlefield, draw a card for each creature with power one or less you control. Boom. Boom. That'd be a really good card. Yeah, because you're already... Draw a card for each soldier you control or each human token you control. Yeah. Right? And instead, we're stuck with this thing that has to attack. And again, I know standard, they're forecasting devotion, but... Come on. This this is a set that's marketed at commander players. There's literally... There's like 20 legendary creatures in this set. Like over 10, 10% of the set is legendary creatures. Yeah. I think there's 19 yeah. of them, actually. That's lots. It's I, lots. I'm, I'm throwing out loose numbers. I don't know the exact numbers, but there's lots. I would have possibly played her in my Rune Tail deck, hmm? but I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to. I could have, and I'm not going to. That's how unexcited I am about her. But Sailor B. She has a cool picture. Yep. Say something good about everybody. Next up, we have. I wish this guy had a name. Yeah, that's what everybody's saying. Questing Beast is a 4-4 four, four for 4 with vigilance, vigilance, Death Touch, and Haste, and it can't be blocked by more than, or, and it can't be blocked by creatures with power 2 or less. But wait, there's more. Ooh. Combat damage that would be dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented. But wait, there's more. Oh my god. Whenever Questing Beast deals combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to target Planeswalker that they control. What the hell? You know what I think about this? I don't know if, I, if I've heard anybody talk about this yet. Yes, when you go out on a quest in Eldraine to become a knight, 
you have to fight beasts like this. Okay, there's some story tie there. I think at the last minute, this feels very much like, holy shit, what have we done? This card's so good. How do we avoid putting three of it, four of it in every single deck that can play green and standard? Legendary. You put it legendary. Instead of making your 4-4 with 7,000 abilities, cost eight mana. You leave it at four, you make it legendary, you can only have one. You only need one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a thing, right? You but only need one. Can you imagine if you had two, though? <laughs> right? There you go. That's why it's legendary, I think. So the moral of the story is, if you're playing green, he's a good card, but I don't think he's the best commander. No. Let's just keep it no, going. No, that's a standard card. It's like 25 bucks. We're going to open foils in our super packs. We probably are. And we're going to sell them for an effing lot because oh, yeah, they're going 100%. in standard and modern. Yeah. Okay, next up we have Rankle, Master of Pranks. I really like this guy. He's a 3-3 for Black Black 2. He's a fairy rogue. He's got flying. He's got haste. And whenever he deals combat damage to a player, you choose any number of the following things. Each player discards a card. Each player loses a life and draws a card. Each player sacrifices a creature. That's right. You could choose one, two, or three of those, but please remember they do happen in the order they're written on the card, so you can't make somebody draw a card and then discard it. Yes. So where do you put them? 99 or Commander Hood? I look. I can see where people would play him as a commander. I guess I'm going to put it like a mono black control type thing. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm going to put him in the 99 of my Atraxa deck. He's going in. Yep. He's going into a deck. He's going into a deck. I like him. I don't know if he's going to be great, but I'm going to get one and I'm going to try him because I really like this card. So flying haste beater. The same. Uh, the same person that Ataxa can profitably attack. This guy can attack as well. So you're getting in for seven instead of four, and then you're just going to do a bunch of. Staxy things. Yeah. Okay. I, I think he's a cool card. I like him lots. And in that deck, you probably choose discard and sack a creature. That is right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next up, we have Sir Aelin the Lion's Claw. He's a 4 4 for white, white, three. Human Knight. There's a bazillion knights in this. I might complain about that tomorrow. I don't know. First, <laughs> he has first strike, and whenever he attacks other creatures you control, get plus one, plus one to end of turn. I think we can say everything we said about the queen, about this guy, and we're right. Yes, except for. You know what we didn't say? Aurelia, the war leader that gives you an extra combat phase, this will give your guys in a, like an, a second plus one, plus one. It's pretty good. You're doing the same thing that you're already doing, but you're just doing it a little harder with this guy. I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know how that deck curves out, but if you like to attack and you're in white... There you go. They do, they do encourage you to do that. He'll go in the night deck that they're making. Yeah. We've got, we've got like 17 other sirs. Do you want to just go through them? Because the last one is the best one. Do you want to just blow through these? Because they're not super powerful, but they do all have some edge case utility in the 99. Sure. We have Sir Kara Sir the Bold, 3-3 three, three for red, red, 3. It's the red one. Yeah. Whenever an instant or sorcery or her that you control, obviously, deals damage to a player, exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. You can tap her. She deals one damage to any target. So she... Could we could we make a mono-red burn deck with her? Probably. It, it would it be good though? Like it lets no. you draw additional cards. It's it's fine. I don't know. I don't. Whatever. She's uncommon for a reason, and she costs five. Yeah. If you like pingers, this is your card. If you like to draw extra cards in red for dealing a little bit of damage to somebody, it's, it's good. This would not be terrible in your Norin deck. If but it didn't cost five, I have better things to do at five. Exactly. We're yeah. we're probably gonna get to one of those, aren't we? Cards that go in Norin. 
maybe. No, I don't know. We'll maybe. see. We'll see. Maybe. Who's next? Sir maybe. Eleonora? Sir Eleonora the Discerning is an X4 for blue, blue, three. Power is equal to the number of cards in your hand. When it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. Spells your opponent's cast that target her cost two more. It's fine. You can beat with her in blue, which is kind of a new, unique thing. I don't know. Draw 10, take 10. I think it's fun that it's on a unicorn. Hey. Yeah, man. Always something positive. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm working this card, on that. Th- this one's good. I'm I'm going to see cards like when we go to a Magic Fest and I see this card, I'm going to see a control shell that plays X draw spells at instant speed like Blue Sun Zenith, and they're going to go like Blue Sun for 12. Die. Uh, yeah, end of your turn, Blue Sun for 12, untap, die. Yeah. It could be a thing. It could be a thing. Okay. Right. Next up, we have Sir Farron the Henge Hammer. It's a 2-2 two, two for 2. It's the green one. Whenever it attacks, another target attacking creature gets plus X plus X, where X is the power of Sir Farron. And this one's cool because he rides a bear. Yeah, this one is kind of like another card that we've seen in the past. Notable, this one's the only 2-2 two, two for 2. The other ones are something-somethings for 5. It's a bear. Yeah, I, I suppose, yeah. I'm going to put forward the argument that Sir Farron... Is the bear. I'm going to... And that guy on his back is just a knight. I'm going to put forward the argument that that is not correct. <laughs> I'm totally right. I'm totally right. Are we going to play that card? No. Okay. I'm not. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> All right, we have the another brawl card. It's another knight. I think it's pushing to be the commander of the knight deck that they built for you handily in this set for you. But it's not five colors, so I can't play all my knights. Shut up. Okay. You can play all the good ones. Yeah... <laughs> Sir Gwyn, Hero of Ashvale, is a 5-5 human knight for Mardu 3, Vigilance, Menace, whenever an equipped creature you control attacks, you draw a card and you lose a life, equipment you control equips to knights for zero. Ooh, so that's why it's the Nightmander. It is the Nightmander. Do we have a critical mass, and I'm sorry I didn't do the research on how many knights are in black, white, red. We probably have a, a good enough mass to do that, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, dude, you could make a hell. Well, when I built um my Queen Marchesa deck, yep, it actually had a knight sub theme. There were so many knights. Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you have a knight exemplar, or if you know somebody that's gonna sell them, go out and get one because there's gonna be a casual knight deck, and I'll bet you that card's gonna tick up a little bit. Yeah, very much so. There's, that's there's some uh, MTG Hasht- finance. Hashtag advice. MTG finance. Hey, yeah. notably, Queen Marchesa. Not errated to a noble, like a bunch of other cards in the creature type update for Throne oh, of Eldraine. Cheap. Falconrath noble, Stromkirk noble, Brago, King Eternal, but not Marchesa because she stole the crown. She's not nobility. I love her. We would be friends She's in pretty real sweet. Life. And now the Sir that's really good. This is the good Sir, oh, right? Oh, baby. This Sir. Sir Conrad the Grim is a 5 4 for 5. Two of them are black. Whenever another creature dies or a creature card is put into a graveyard, a graveyard from anywhere other than play, or a creature leaves your graveyard, Sir Conrad deals one damage to each opponent. And it has black one. Each, creature, each player puts the top card of the library into their bin. Holy shit. So whenever anything goes into or out of somebody's graveyard that isn't Sir Conrad, he's going to make everybody lose a life. Yep. Opponent lose a life. Yep. Holy... This, this is nuts. This, I think this goes 100% into Balthor the Defiled. Of course it does. Because it already plays Morality Shift. Spoiler alert, Morality Shift is good with Sir Conrad. We know that. I'm already playing it. But Balthor's ability just takes everything out of the graveyard. 
yeah. right? And that's fine if Sir Conrad's in there, like he's not going to trigger because he's not in play when that happens. But then I'm just going to sacrifice everything I have to anything, anything, and I'm going to trigger Sir Conrad 20 times and then I'm going to get it all back with Balthor again. And then I'm just going to, I don't even need Grey Merchant anymore. The Grey Merchant could come out of that deck and Sir Conrad could go in at the same mana cost. It's crazy. I'm not going to do that, <laughs> but I could. I could. So you're not going to play? You're going to play him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're playing him. Yeah, for sure. The the black one, each player mills a card in that deck is also good because I can just mill myself until I have a critical mass of zombies in my graveyard. Then I could Balthor reanimate them all. Ooh. Like that deck could make infinite mana with a Gravecrawler and a Pitiless Plunderer, and you just sacrifice a Gravecrawler to... Phyrexian Altar, and you get a treasure token every time, so you could infinitely mill your whole deck and then just cast Balthor up like a hundred times and sacrifice him to get all the creatures in your graveyard back. I Sir feel, Conrad's powerful. I feel like in that situation, you don't need Sir Conrad to win. No, you don't. Yeah, the deck already wins. You don't but, need him in that situation. But you know what happens to that deck sometimes? It'll get bogged. It'll get bajuked when Grey Merchant's in the, de- in the, yeah, it's, in the it's graveyard. Just, it's your you, secondary Grey Merchant. Yeah. You know what I like with Sir Conrad? I like a Necropotence. Gain a bunch of life because you're playing Aristocrats. You're going to gain life. Right. Pay 40. End of turn. Pay 47 life. Draw 47 cards with Necropotence. Move to end step. Discard 40 down to 7. They go to my graveyard and then they get exiled. Sir Conrad will 40 them. If you discard 40 creatures. Right. Which you probably won't, but I do like that. That's the dream. That's it. All right. Next up, we have another legendary artifact. It is the Cauldron of Eternity. Get this mana cost. It's black, black, 10. Oh, baby. I love a good 10 and a casting cost. This thing better do something obscene. Let's read it. This spell costs two less to cast for each creature card in your graveyard. I don't know what deck would probably have that ever happen. Any deck with black in it. Yeah, who knows? (laughs) Whenever a creature you control dies, put it on the bottom of its owner's library. And black, two, tap, pay two life, return target creature card from your graveyard to play, activate this ability only anytime you can cast a sorcery. Ooh, so you need five creatures to make this cost black, black in your graveyard. That's fine. The drawback is whenever a creature goes to your graveyard, you, you library it, you tuck it. Yep. So you're not getting any more to be able to reanimate. So if you have five and you reanimate five things and they all die, you have an empty graveyard. Everybody's touting this card as being so awesome because it's two mana, then you've got like five reanimates out of it for two life and three mana. I'm not super high on this card. I don't think it does what you want in black when black has... It can already do all that stuff. It can already do it for cheaper. With less hoops. Less hoops, yeah. Now, there is like that downside of put it on the bottom is good in Granzo. Everybody's already said that. We're the last set review of all the main content creators to come out. So everybody's already said that. Yeah, but... Like I, I this isn't this card isn't for me. It's I which think, is weird because this is like my kind of card, right? I think that this is a cool card. I think that it has a place in a in a kind of a casual deck. And yep. I think that it's going to be one of those cards that you're going to play it, and it's going to be cool, and it's going to do neat stuff. And that's as far as I go with it. I'm not super hard for it. I don't think it sucks. I think it's a card that's good. It's well designed. It's it's going to go in the play space. It's supposed to go in. And I appreciate that. You know what? You know what this is going to do. This is going to go in the same deck that already has Animate Dead, Dance of the Dead, Necromancy, Diabolical Servitude. 
Yeah. And reanimate. Like this is this is gonna go into that deck because it's a reanimation spell that's repeatable for after your initial two mana investment. You just pay three and two life. Like I'm I was thinking maybe I could put it in Hirobi, but I don't know if it really has a spot in there. But it's I don't know. I think it's a cool card. I like it. No, well, it, I don't think it does because if Hirobi dies when this is out, you can't get him back with it because he's gonna go to the bottom of your library. Or to the command zone. Well, that, that you want to avoid him going to the command. Yeah, zone, well, I, mean, I can get it cost eighty. <laughs> I can get the rest of my stuff out of my graveyard with it. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it's okay, but like it's pretty narrow in Hirobi for the reason that you said because yeah. most of my graveyard reanimation is for Hirobi. That's right. Yeah, that's, right. that's fine. Let's go to the next one. This one too has it's an artifact and it costs less. Give us a read. This the, the, first. Let's just say this art is awesome. It's I, very cool. This art is. Frickin' cool. It's Circle of Loyalty. It's white, white, four for a legendary artifact. Costs one less to cast for each knight you control. There's another knight card for you. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Whenever you cast a legendary spell, create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance. And white, three tap, create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance. So this goes straight into that fairy person we read first. Wherever you play an artifact or enchantment, you get a fairy. Yep. This is a anthem that's also an artifact. That also gives you more dudes. Yeah. Like this, I think it, it goes right into there. That's good. It's a cool card. You know what? You know what I forgot to mention? I heard a lot of people bellyaching online about, oh, they're doing colored artifacts and this is terrible and how the artifacts are supposed to go into any deck, blah, 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 right? And they've said they're doing colored artifacts to kind of limit their usability so they can print more powerful things without breaking standard. Yeah. They've done colored artifacts. This is like the fourth time. Yeah. So everybody who's belly aching, I know there's lots of new people who've never seen them before. They're going to continue to do this, and it's going to cycle in and out of favor. And colored artifacts, it's a thing. I think it's cool. I think it's cool. I like it because, you know, there's just some things that feel very colored. A monkey hand is going to be black. A wand is going to be blue because that's what a wizard does. A sword might be white or red. A two-mana anthem is going to be white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just how it works. All right, here's an elephant in the room. Lots of people are hype about this. Baby. We were talking about this before the show. It, it's probably one of the strongest cards in Commander in the set. Top five for sure. It's the Great Henge, legendary artifact. Green, green, seven. Cost X less to cast, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. So in mono green, it's going to cost you two. I was just going to say, what does it really cost? Two. And then what does it actually fucking cost? Zero. There you go. Because this spell act, when you read the whole thing together, what it says is, put it into play, gain two life, play something else. Yeah. Yeah. And then it also says whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield into your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on it and to draw a card. This is this is the fucking also card. Yes. So to read the whole thing, it costs X less to cast for the biggest dude you have. Then you can tap it for green, green and gain two life. And then it has the non-token creature coming into play thing. Yeah, this actually could potentially change my entire Animar deck. I could, I could take out a Captain or a Sisse Weatherlight Captain. This is 100% going into Animar. I can cast it and immediately pay for it back with the two green. So it's free because Animar is going to have seven power. Right. And then whenever I cast a creature, I get a plus one on that creature, which is great with Rishkar because then that creature can tap for green. Yeah. And I draw a card. So Animar gets bigger. Your dude gets bigger. And you draw a card. 
for and free. It, and it costs you play this card. It cost me a card. That's right. Two green up front installment plan. Wow. That, that immediately pays itself off. It's insane. Yeah, you know, you, know, you know what I got for my trouble? I gained two life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. I got to go and cash this coupon in. I guess I'll gain two life. And to top it all off, on top of all of that, it has a super cool card or super, super cool art that's going to rock your socks off in foil. The this ex- card's going to be a beautiful The foil. extended art version that you get in the super pack is going to be $200, guaranteed. This is a hell of a card. Guaranteed. No. Man, if we open that, whole beer time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do the the blue one. Let's talk about the blue one. The blue one. one's fine. It's fine. It's uh, blue, 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 six. Costs one less to cast, reach instance or sorcery in your graveyard. It basically has blue, I guess. You have no maximum hand size, whatever. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a knowledge counter on it, then draw a card for each knowledge counter on it. That's Mind Unbound from M12, I think. Sure. Fine. It's kind of like as foretold from Amonkhet, which is also fine. This is slow. You're leaving up blue, blue, blue. If you ha- if you have six instants and sorceries in your graveyard, yeah, you're leaving up blue, blue, blue. If it had flash, I might be on board because you end a turn. I'm not going to counterspell that. I'll play this. Yeah, and then I'll draw a card on my turn for my trouble. But yeah. I not. Yeah, I don't know. The amount of investment and setup for like the super delayed payoff and the first super delayed payoff is you draw one card. You know what? This card is going to go into a blue control shell or like a Niv-Mizzet type shell that isn't trying to infinite you and you're going to draw a card and deal a damage and you're going to counterspell something. Next turn, draw two, deal out two damage. You're going to counterspell something. Next turn, three, you've dealt six already with it. Yeah. Like that's where this card's going to go and for that purpose, I think it's fine. But this isn't gonna. It, it's not blowing me away. It's it's not blowing me away. It's, it, it's the wrong card to follow the great hinge. Yes. Yeah, it's just the wrong card to follow. Let's that go to the last legendary because I know you're gonna have something to say about the second last one. Maybe the last the last card technically is Yorvo Lord of Garenbrig. He's a zero zero for green green green. Whoa, that's not a good rate. <laughs> For a giant noble, he enters the battlefield with four plus one plus one counters on him. Whenever another green creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on Yarvo. Then if that creature's power is greater than Yarvo's, you put another plus one plus one counter on him. So he's going to evolve. He he gets both sort of. counters. Yeah. I thought it was the other creature and then him. No. Oh. No, it's, I don't know, he's, whatever. He's a green guy that gets a bunch of counters when you play other guys. It encourages he's, you to play big guys. Yeah, he's green. yeah, it encourages you to do green so if you like greening, then here's your green, green. Yeah. That's fine, right? That's, he's a fine card. I don't think he's, again, he's not blowing me away, but he's I like he's the uh, I like the comparison to Evolve. So if you play somebody who's bigger than him, he gets two. He gets like Evolve two. Yeah. That's fine. He's, he's a fine card. And the last one. Oh, baby. This, the auto include in two of my decks. Two? Two of them. I saw Foil one get opened in the Super Pack and yesterday. I should have fought that guy for it. He goes in Krenko and he goes in Norin. It is Torbran Thane of Redfell, aka he's, Gimli. Gimli. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, no, he's grumpy from the Seven Dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. He's a uh, two four for red, red, red one. If a red source you control would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent, an opponent controls it deals that much damage plus two instead. Plus two, and it, instead. Dead. So yeah. it's not a an additional triggered ability; it's a replacement effect. So if you have something that says prevent one damage and you earthquake for one, it's going to do that damage instead. 
Yeah. Which does more damage. Yes. And Earthquake for zero doesn't make it do Earthquake for two. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, because you do have to deal damage, and that's when that instead does actually come into play. Yeah. So Pyrohemia for one is now Pyrohemia for three. Yep. And you could Pyrohemia for one slash three three times, and he would still be alive. So you've dealt nine to all my creatures and me. And I've taken three. Three, and you're... Tor, what's his name? Tor something? Torbran. Torbran has taken three and still lives and can still beat into my now empty board. Yes. I think he is a he's an unbelievable card in the 99 of a couple of my decks. Perforos does four. Yeah. Impact Tremors does three. It's it's insane. Like what this card can do is unbelievable. Um I'm less excited about him as a commander. Because I think he's... He would have a pretty cool deck. He would have an amazing deck. But he's doing red things. But if, it's just a right? red guy doing red things. And while he does red things, and I love red things, I, he doesn't give me that varied gameplay experience that I want. Yeah, he does a very red thing. He walks the red path, if yeah. you will, right? And he's fucking cool. But this is a cool card. Yeah, this is the card that they printed. Was like, you know what? Let's throw that Commander Cookout Brando guy. Let's throw him a bone. Yeah, let's, this is it. Yeah, that's this is it, right? And you know what I like? If you are gonna do this guy in red, this is a perfect one to end on for us because I, I, I think sort of the set review or the legendary review might have taken a negative kind of tone. I do love a bunch of the cards that we've reviewed today. This guy's a good one to end on because it very much makes the aggro kind of close to the ground burny feel flavor color pie space that red has it amplifies it up a little bit for commander for the 40 format four player yeah format now your one one goblins that maybe you can't do infinite of because you're not playing Krenko, they're they're much more effective they're now. three ones essentially yeah for all intents and purposes yes and this guy only costs four like if this was a couple years ago that guy would have cost it six well yeah and he'd be a one two can you imagine him alongside Neheb that gives you mana for damage dealt? Yes. I've already imagined that, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a dream last I night. Have, I have stayed up thinking, ooh, ooh, <laughs> ooh, of all the things I could do with this guy. I'm very excited for this card. Man, if you, what if you open a foil one, you'll just like sit there and have a beer with him and say, hey, okay, this is, this is what we're doing. This is what I'm thinking. For, for 2020, this is the plan I have. <laughs> if I open a foil one of this guy, I'm just going to grow a beard and braid it just like him. And then I'm going to gain a bunch of weight, and I'm going to wear a cape and just carry an axe everywhere I go. I'm just going to be him for the rest of my life. Yeah, well, you've, you've, you're probably the same height. Oh, he got me. He got me. <laughs> so we are running short on time. So should we wrap her up for today? Yeah, you know what? I Again, I want to I wanna reiterate, I do like a bunch of the legendary creatures in this set. Am I going to play all of them? No. I like Kenrith. I like the Great Henge. We're going to talk about Planeswalkers tomorrow. I like the art on Grumgully. Eat these mushrooms, kid. <laughs> I, I I like the aristocrat feel that a couple of the commandies have. Which one's your favorite besides Torbrand? Besides Torbrand? Legendary artifacts included, because we talked about them today. My initial thought would be to say Embercleave, but you know what? I think after our conversation about it, I think I like Corvold. Oh, yeah, the goblin dragon yeah. commander type I, guy? I didn't think of that, and now that I have... I think I'm on the Corvold train. I think I think I like him. You could also play him alongside, like you could put Prosh in the 99 and do the Cobalt thing as well. well I like that too. That could be a thing. It could be. And yeah. Prosh is a relatively cheap pickup because he was reprinted in Modern Masters 25. Yes, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Masters 25, whatever. 
So give us a final thought on the legendary creature review. Thank our gracious overlords at face2facegames.com and tell everybody where they can find us tomorrow. Legendary creatures of Throne of Eldraine. I think that as much as we downplayed some of them, I think there's a lot of play space here and it does open up a lot of really cool possibilities. And even if they don't build new decks, I think that there's a lot of your decks that a lot of this stuff could fit in very nicely to amp them up to unforeseen heights as of a couple of days ago. If you'd like to listen to our second part of our set review, we talk about the rest of the cards, and I super hope you do. You can find us anywhere podcasts are found, including on face2facegames.com. They are Canada's biggest magic store. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and all of those kinds of places. Check out commandercookout.com for a full list of those things and the cool link to buying shirts and stickers and stuff. That being said, that is it for us for today. We will see you tomorrow when we finish the set review of Throne of Eldraine on the next episode of Commander Cookout Podcast. Hit our theme songs! <laughs> <laughs>